you're in the rainforest. So if you really want to have that, which is what I was looking for, that sort of a soaking in the rainforest for four or five days and nights, where the only sound around you are the insects, the monkeys, the wind moving the trees, the birds calling. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm Gail, your host, and today we are diving into the depths of the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica with Lynn Smith. Now, Lynn was also on Experiences You Should Have a few episodes ago on experiencing the drive to Milford Sound as well as the boat ride in Milford Sound in New Zealand. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend it. Now, Lynn blends a love of independent adventure travel, history, and the natural world with over 40 years of experience as an award-winning writer, photographer, creative designer, and producer. Personally, I love how Lynn travels. She explores nature off the beaten path, which is my favorite way to get immersed into a new adventure. Now, this episode is about experiencing nature in the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica. The Osa Peninsula is wild. It's estimated to house 2.5% of the biodiversity of the entire world while covering less than a thousandth of a percent of its total surface area, earning it the title of the most biologically intense place on Earth, according to National Geographic. I personally haven't been there yet, but Lynn has, and she is here to tell all on how to experience the Osa Peninsula. And don't worry, I am taking notes because this sounds like an adventure to be had. All right, so we are here with Lynn, who is travel extraordinaire, and she was on the show uh, for the New Zealand uh, Milford Sound podcast episode. Highly recommend listening to that. But today, Lynn is going to be talking about traveling to the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica. Welcome, Lynn. Welcome. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Gail. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I am so happy uh, to have you here again. And I really hope we can continue doing more episodes because you are amazing. Um, So we're talking about the Osa Peninsula in Costa Rica. So first off, can you just share what is the Osa Peninsula and, and where exactly it is? The Osa Peninsula is on the far southwest corner, the Pacific corner of Costa Rica, way down the southwest tip of Costa Rica. So if you kind of do a Google Maps thing and you're looking at the country of Costa Rica, look way down on the lower left of the country, sort of where it hits Panama. 
um, the border of the country of Panama, and you'll see the Osa Peninsula, and it's, it's almost an oval shape, you know, uh, mm -hmm. looking place, but it's kind of out there. It's out there in the left field. It's right, you know, bordering the Pacific Ocean, and when I say it's out there, it is out there. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, I love out there, and I love off-the-beaten-path experiences, as you know, and I'm just curious, like, why, why you picked the Osa Peninsula to travel to? It's interesting. It was our first trip to Costa Rica, and I'm one of those geographic nuts. I kind of, you know, really drill into a country and say, yeah, I've read a lot about that. And yeah, there's Tamarindo, and there are the surfing beaches way up in the north end. And, and I also had quite a bit of insight with friends who have lived there, uh, who were born there, who are native. So they were like, oh, your first trip, you might want to do this, that, and the other. And they were kind of the well-trod and perfectly wonderful because I've done them tourist paths but I went no I want to do something different I really want to see the wildlife I mean where is it really wild I and mean, you can go to some of the wildlife parks that we've probably heard of but and I don't know how I found it but I would think I was googling something like wildlife Costa Rica and that's when I saw Osa Peninsula and I think what jumped out at me was like a National Geo article it wasn't like a travel and leisure or anything it was just oh my gosh, I started reading about the kind of wildlife, the frequency of wildlife um, encounters. And I thought that's what I love because I'm very attracted to traveling to tropical environments. I love rainforests. I like to have unscripted, so to speak, wildlife experiences, small groups of people, you know, very mm -hmm. intimate kinds of environments. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really travel. We don't travel the three-star, four-star, five-star route because, frankly, it's just not something we can afford. But, um, you know, so we're not really backpacking. So it's, it's like trying to find a sweet spot. Hmm, where is it wild? Where can we see Costa Rica? How can we combine like a super out there in the left field someplace you haven't been hard to get to but stay in the rainforest with a, a little more typical um, maybe a drive vacation. So I started out, if you have a 10-day calendar, and I split it in half. And I went, oh, the first half, we can go up here to the Arenal volcano area and the cloud forests around Monte Verde, which is, you know, a, a fairly common destination for many tourists once you fly into the country. And then I thought, oh, I know, I'll save this the best for last. We'll get down in the rainforest and we'll be staying in the primary rainforest and then mm -hmm. the more i looked at osa it was like oh, wow this is like the last chunk of primary and secondary but certainly primary rainforest in costa rica with the tallest trees it's absolutely wild it's like 700 acres most of it is a national park the corcovado national park so i started looking at that so all in all i i kind of looked at my own personal check boxes you know is it is it out in the boonies check is it hard to get to check are there any five-star places there? Well, there's one. Can we afford it? No. <laughs> is there something less than that? Yes. You know, um, is it backpacker, you know, friendly? Well, yes, it can be, but that's not really what we want. How easy is it to get there? Not very, but you can do it in a day. And, you know, I just started looking at that. So I think affordability, uh, the amount of time it took to get there versus staying there was uh, reasonable within our calendar. But more importantly, I read that National Geographic magazine, and when I found out a couple little tidbits that I'll share without boring people to death, but um, it's like 2.5% of the biodiversity of the planet is 
right there on that 700 square mile peninsula. Uh-huh. And that only represents, and the peninsula itself is like less than a thousandth of a percent of its yeah. total surface area. And so National Geographic in this article that I read had dubbed this area the most biologically intense place on earth. And I thought, well, that certainly says something, but what does that mean? Am I going to get bitten up by insects or what? <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I started looking at it, and it's like, well, there's nothing here. There's, there's the rainforest. It goes right down to the Pacific coast, which big waves crashing up against the coast when the tide comes in. Uh, there are no development. There's just no development over it on that Pacific side. Over on the base side of the peninsula, there's development. We'll, we'll talk about that Golfo, Golfo Duce soon. Mm-hmm. But uh, you start looking at the fact that this is a really um, old volcanic land with primary rainforest is some of the tallest trees and the water the waterfalls the fresh water the rivers that flow off of this peninsula and into the ocean think about it that's like feeding frenzy for all kinds of animals mm-hmm. freshwater marine animals so you start looking at that and you go wow this is like lush primary rainforest and then you start looking at wow there's a lot of freshwater rivers and they warn you about you know don't go swimming in the rivers right here where the tide comes in because the saltwater crocodiles will eat you <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh you know and then you start going like wow you know you can see almost every single what is it it's like four of the five uh species of monkeys you can encounter right there on that peninsula um at, sorry you can see all four species there are four which we didn't know we got there we're like oh how many species of monkeys are there well there's mm-hmm. four the spider the white-faced capuchin uh the squirrel and the howler monkeys and there's like poison dart frogs there's morpho butterflies uh let's see anteaters agoutis if you know what those are the sort of like big rat things they're okay. sort of like rabbits really uh right. mundis, you know that's like the south african um south african south american raccoon they're so cute and um there's sloths oh my god we saw sloths all over the place parrots are you kidding me wait you saw sloths everywhere yeah i mean you have to you can go out with a guide and they have spotting scopes because some of those trees are like well over 100 feet tall oh there's one way up there can you see it no (laughs) oh there it is put your camera up to the spotting scope but we saw some that were like at eye level when we're walking through on the rainforest or a couple of bridges at the place we stayed i'll talk about that I mean, they were just right there. You're staying in the forest where in the rainforest where you have toucans and it's like 450 some odd species of tropical birds. You've got the, the largest concentration of scarlet macaws in Central America. And they're just squawking overhead all day long, flying to and, to and from their nesting and feeding areas. Uh, there's wild cats. There's like margays and ocelots and jaguars. No, we did not see a jaguar. <laughs> no, we did not see an ocelot. <laughs> But we did hear a margay cry. We did hear it at night outside our cabin. Um, and let's see. Of course, there's snakes. There's insects. Uh-huh. And there's like, you know, wild pigs. They hang out around down at the beach and root around down there. So, I mean, you kind of have to watch where you're going. But if you want to stay in the rainforest where the monkeys wake you up before dawn, and they're outside your cabin. They're outside your, your little cabina there. I mean, monkeys are not Mm -hmm. going to come in. The snakes Mm -hmm. are not knocking at your door. (laughs) The insects are not swarming your bed. But just be aware that you're in the rainforest. So if you really want to have that, which is what I was looking for, that sort of soaking in the rainforest for four or five days and nights where the only sound around you are the insects, the monkeys, the wind moving the trees, the birds calling, 
uh, the morning chorus of birds goes on for an hour every morning, and it will wake you up at about 4.30, 4.45 in the morning, every morning, with hmm. the howler monkey. <laughs> Bats at night swirling around, you know, the stars overhead. Turn off the lights in your cabina. Let your eyes get used to the dark and just look up. And look out over the Pacific, which you can see from this ridge where we were staying. Way up the ridge. See the Pacific Ocean out there and get the breeze coming up that steep ridge. And there are freshwater rivers and ravines flowing all around us that we can hear at night. I mean, there was so much to do from, oh gosh, you could kayak. We went um, rappelling, jungle trekking and rappelling down repeatable different waterfalls. It started wow. off about 45 or 50 feet and got up to well over 85 feet in length. Wow, I mean, man. Through, through a waterfall, you're in it. The water's pounding on your helmet. <laughs> you're like, ah! <laughs> but it's fun you know it's it's a little adrenaline excitement yeah but it's not like oh get me out of here because it's just gonna <laughs> let me off the bus you know no it took us an hour to get back here in the rainforest and we are all going to go down these waterfalls let's go <laughs> i love it i love it and we actually have an episode out there on waterfall repelling or canyoneering if, if you want to learn more about that but I mean, this sounds like a true adventure, Lynn. I mean, you're waterfall repelling. You're in the middle of a rainforest, and you're surrounded by macaws and snakes and sloths. I, I mean, what an adventure. Absolute adventure. And, you know, the thing is, it's, it's not one of the scripted things where you wake up before dawn, which you do anyway, and have some coffee and a light breakfast, and here comes a guide. You've made arrangements the night before or day before. And you pay like $35. It wasn't that much. I'm okay. talking U.S. dollars here. And um, so here comes your guide. And because we were traveling a shoulder season, and we'll talk about that if you, mm. uh, when we talk about when's the best time to go. Right. But right. Uh, it was right after the rush, you know. So the rush is over with. The staff is kind of relaxed. The guys are, whew, you know, I don't have to be guiding five or six people. I only have these two. And we went, right. okay, great. So we got the guides to ourselves. So we're strolling through the dark rainforest with our headlamps on and flashlights with the howler monkeys screeching overhead. We could not hear ourselves speak. I have a video of it on my YouTube channel and link to it from my blog. It's just like a, a minute play. It's not, it's not a long play at all. But, oh, my God, you really can't hear anything for these howler monkeys. And they're, like, following us as we're going through the rainforest and we're starting on our jungle trek. And by the time the sun is up, way up there above the trees somewhere we're at the first waterfall and boy you are ready to get wet in that cold water and it is cold you're like oh man phew what a hike that was uh -huh. and the guys are there they're looking out for snakes they look out for poisonous plants don't brush up against this look out there there's a root right there and of course you're watching yourself <laughs> for mm -hmm. yourself but uh, to have that kind of really is almost like this catered affair I mean we had the place to ourselves I think there were only I think there were like five other couples there. Wow. Now, what's the name of this place again? Well, I haven't mentioned it yet. But okay. Stayed, All right. We, we stayed not at the five-star place that can be up to $800 a night for a cabana. Yeah, couldn't do that. But we did stay at El Romanso. That's E-L, one word, uh -huh. and then capital R-A-M Romanso. R-A-M-E-N-S-O. Okay. L. Romanso. And that has been recognized by, even since we've been there, and it's just, it hasn't been that long, but um, TripAdvisor 
Travel and Leisure, National Geographic, and several sort of nature programming uh, programs have been out there. Bear Grylls was there a number of years ago. Wow. Going down, going down the very same waterfalls that we went down. So wow. for whatever that's worth, it was pretty exciting. That is exciting. So yeah. how many nights did you stay there? And kind of just take me through a, a typical day. We stayed five nights and mm -hmm. five days, but because it, it didn't take us that long to get there, because we chose not to drive from uh, the city of San Jose, which is where everybody comes in. That's where the international airport port is. Uh huh. So one flies into the capital of San Jose from somewhere in the United States, and then you can catch a domestic carrier, which you should make your arrangements ahead of time to get a seat on the right flight that you want and um, leave plenty of time between your arrival plane from the states and when your flight may depart to the osa peninsula and the airport that is the common airport that people fly into from san jose is in the town of puerto jimenez uh -huh. spelled with a j spelled jimenez uh -huh. with a z puerto jimenez and uh, you fly there it only takes you about 45 50 minutes by air and it's really luxurious um, high-speed Cessna something or other that we flew in <laughs> and again it was just the two of us on the plane I mean so we had this this plane high-speed thing all to ourselves okay so we landed in Puerto Jimenez probably about uh, early afternoon midday okay and there our hosts were waiting for us or their their staff was waiting with their pickup truck and kindly moved our luggage into the pickup truck and we headed for the next hour or so out, out from Puerto Jimenez, which is uh -huh. on the east side of the peninsula, along the Gulf there. It's called the Gulf, uh, Golfo, G-O-L-F-O, Golfo Dulce, D-U-L-C-E, Sweetwater, mm -hmm. uh, which has its own story. It's like 600 feet deep, and whales come in there to migrate. It's, it's an amazing place just being there. But anyway, you end up going down this <laughs> barely graded, hugely potholed, with big rocks in it banging against the undercarriage of this pickup truck. Uh, and it's very dusty, it's very dry because we came at the end of the dry season because we didn't want to get rained on the whole time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was a really rough ride, I have to tell you. If you have a bad back or a bad cervical disc or, uh, it was air conditioned, our driver okay. was lovely, but it's, a, it's physically <laughs> not an easy ride to be riding uh -huh. in that thing. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, we got there and that took us right up to the lodge, El Romanso Lodge, and checked in so that we were checked in and settled into our room by, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And then uh, our first night, you know, you have dinner, whatever, settled in, maybe hang out at the pool. They have a beautiful pool up at the main restaurant. And picture this uh, sort of a knob in the forest that's got all these trees on it, this big tall hill that's probably quarter of a mile from the actual, where the Pacific Ocean kisses the uh, edge of the rainforest there. You go up a very steep hill from the beach to get up to the resort if you're going that way. If you're driving in, you drive through this very bumpy, jungly road, and it takes you right into this lovely landscape lodge area. Oh, with little uh -huh. goodies running around and birds all over the place. And 
birds of paradise and paradisical birds and insects everywhere and this lovely pool and everybody greeting you and this big giant open huge restaurant space made of all local hardwoods and oh it just feels great and then the restaurants up at the very peak of the hill and sort of radiating around it more or less are these different areas where the cabins are the, the rooms and the uh-huh. cabinas you know yeah so we went ours was somewhat down the hill and kind of on the getting a nice view with a big deck out front of it a view of the pacific ocean across the top of the um, forest canopy so you can look down and around you get like a 360 view of the forest canopy and i mean everything's there you can see monkeys in the treetops you can see toucans flying overhead as the evening comes on you can watch the different flocks of birds who are returning to their nesting areas after you've been there for four or five nights you kind of know where the where the raccoons or quadamundis hang out you know where the Mm -hmm. nesting um you know nearby macaws come from they come from over there in the morning and go back there in the evening and they're Mm -hmm. calling the whole time so you wake up before um sunrise which you do when you're in the rainforest anyway when it's hot it's going to be Mm -hmm. hot during the day and you want to get up early because that's when the wildlife is moving around and the birds are out and if you have a scheduled activity like i don't know waterfall repelling or maybe you're going to go zip lining which is really kind of a treetop tour from one zip line station to the other there's no screaming people yelling kids people whipping out their selfie sticks it was just the two of us and two guides it's lovely with our own little like a canopy tour one morning and we got to see birds and they pointed out the wildlife and we talked about the trees and and we ate some cheese and we had some coffee and and we just kind of went from one spot to another zip lining around in the canopy all around their property mm-hmm. and just wild i mean you're looking down at the at the floor of the forest some um, you know 80 feet below you you're way the heck up in a tree up in the top of the canopy sort of mm-hmm. so you can see the activity at the top of the canopy but you can also see the the, the the forest turkeys scratching around down there on the forest floor mm-hmm. you know, like, just like being in some primordial eden it's it was just and the only sounds you hear are the sounds that you're making your conversation your zip line going <laughs> you know and then you stand on the platform with the guides and for just a couple of minutes everybody's quiet and just kind of looking around and enjoying the beautiful morning still kind of cool underneath the canopy before the heat of the day well let's move on you know go mm-hmm. to the next one uh so that was like one day but then it gets hot about midday and you're like okay we're dying now we're gonna go up to the pool mm-hmm. <laughs> we're gonna get something to eat yeah you know we're gonna chill for the afternoon and this evening oh i know let's get the guide to take us on this uh ravine we'll go down one of these ravines where the river flows and we'll go just strolling through the middle of the river here at night with our flashlights and we'll point out we'll look at snakes and frogs and reptiles and amphibians and beautiful spiders and beetles and anything else we can find and so we probably spent two hours walking around with the guide wow. on that evening excursion and we saw a snake a little green snake a harmless snake eating yeah. tiny little eggs in a bird nest and talked with the guide and yes we did see a fur de lance very dangerous snake oh, wow. uh, but it was a little one mm-hmm. and it took off when we came and we could see it in our lights so uh that was another not a typical day but i most days will start before the sunrise if you uh-huh. want to see wildlife if you want to see the monkeys 
And, uh, and if you want to walk the one of many trails on the private property there at El Ramon, so I mean, it's a huge reserve anyway. They have the swinging bridges that kind of go through the forest canopy, and that's where you can spot for the, okay, first one to spot a sloth gets a Coke or something. Like that. <laughs> to something, ice cream or something. Okay, is that a sloth? No, that's just a bundle of old leaves. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, it wasn't moving. I thought it was a sloth. Oh, yeah. So wow. we just spent time out on those trails by ourselves, too. Very careful, looking for snakes, trying not to brush up against plants that might irritate our skin. Right. Staying well hydrated. And then if you get tired of that, we'll just go back and relax by the pool or, or in your cabina, read a book, just enjoy the heat of the day by chilling. And then you can go um, have an early dinner, relax some more. You can go out on an evening walk there at dusk and see what little critters are moving around on the lawns around the restaurant there in the pool area. Lots of yeah. critters come up. And uh, it's just a place to really step back into the forest and just enjoy the sounds of the animals around your, your cabin at night. I mean, I kept hearing something going, moving around. I kept getting up and getting my flashlight. What is it? It wasn't like, oh, I'm scared. What is that? It's going to eat me. It was right. like, what is it? I want to see what that is. Never could see anything. I, it just sounds like an adventure of surprise. You, you don't know what you're going to see next. And uh, it just sounds like fun. It sounds so much fun. That's a great description. Yeah, because we didn't know exactly what to expect. Uh, but I think the fact that we were there at the time of year that we were, and we basically pretty much had the place to ourselves. Nobody mm -hmm. else was out there on the zip lines or asking the guys to taking them, um, you know, on a walk through the forest or at night or, or going down the waterfalls. Other people did, though, do things. A couple of the other couples did like we did, which was take a hike down the hill. Pretty steep hill. Better mm -hmm. be fit. Get all the way down. Through the jungle probably takes about 35 minutes or so to go downhill very steep to the beach but oh my god this beautiful jungle path and there are monkeys along there you can look up up out look overhead and make sure they don't throw stuff down at you or yeah. worse tink tinkle on you, you know? right <laughs> don't do that don't tinkle on my head but uh we take a little cooler with you you know with some ice and just take a hat and your sunscreen and go down the path and get onto the beach you have to do it at low at low tide and they post the tide times right there up at the restaurant yeah and you can walk along this i got a couple of pictures on my blog and that uh, i'll share with you that's just oh my god this oh. beach is completely deserted please it's not, please. not a footprint nothing and uh, you can see where the waterfall, the water from the waterfalls and the rivers have formed like freshwater lagoons. It looks like something from a movie set. Wow. We were walking down the beach like for 45 minutes. And I said, I want to see these tide pools. I want to see these beautiful crystal clear tide pools that are exposed when the tide goes out. It's very rocky. And it's like, okay, we've got to march way down there to that point. Looks like it's going to take us about half an hour to walk there in the sun along the and here's the rainforest on our left and the pacific ocean on our right and we're walking down a beach that's probably three or four hundred feet wide yeah sloping sloping pretty pretty severely and uh off we go in the sunshine and suddenly we came upon this lagoon to our left and i said oh let's stop there i want to rinse off yeah and of course looking around for okay let's make sure there aren't any saltwater crocodiles no we're all right because it's strictly fresh water yeah. It's very shallow, very crystal clear, very quiet back in there, but a nice breeze from the beach. And look around for any snakes. No, there are no snakes because there's just nothing but sand around this. It's just very nice. And just splash down in there and, 
cool off in that thing. Oh, it was wonderful. Fresh water, shade, nice tree to sit on, look out there to the beach, and then proceed on to the tide pools, which are just, again, I think I sent you a picture or two. There are also links in my blog post. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, talk about Instagram moments. These are just amazing. You have to have on a pair of shoes, though, because it's really rough rock. Uh -huh. But they're great, and people go swimming in the tide pools. Kind of don't cut yourself, but you right. can carefully lower yourself into them and cool off if you want. Me, I just waited and cooled off when we got back to that lagoon on the way back to the jungle path. Yeah, but oh, what do you know? You could spend a morning just doing that, just walking and observing and checking out the tide pools and making sure that you're back to the jungle path before that tide comes in because mm -hmm. that tide is massive. And it almost caught us when we came back from, well, it did catch us. It catch, caught us up to our waist and kind of squeezed us up against the wall of the jungle mm -hmm. when we were coming back from our waterfall adventure. It was kind of scary there for a minute. Um, us, we and the guys, the two of us and the two guys were like, okay, time it. Get ready, set, go, run across the sand. And it's wet and it's soft and your feet are slipping. You're not going anywhere. And you're like, this is a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, no, here goes the wave. Kablam. <laughs> 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 Boy, I'm sure I'm glad I had my phone and my camera in that dry bag because I just got soaked by that. Okay, th that wave went away. Hold on to a root <laughs> here to keep it from sucking you back. <laughs> okay, now get ready, go, sprint again, and finally make it to the path. And we were like, man, that was that was that was sketch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what fun! <laughs> really. <laughs> Well, I would love to talk about some logistics here. Uh, okay. You mentioned there is a best time to go to the Osa Peninsula. What is that best time? And I would recommend this in general for um, Costa Rica travel, mm -hmm. which is going to be in the dry season. Now, the height of season is December through April. Okay. So we went in early no, sorry, March, April, December through February is really the height of season. So that's when your airfares will be up. That's when your accommodation costs will be higher and fewer, you know, fewer uh -huh. selection and choices because it's a dry season. You know, nobody wants to be in the tropics when it's raining on your head every day. I mean, pouring right. buckets. So I chose for us to go in the first couple of weeks of March and I always try to time going into Central, Central American countries before the Easter rush as well. I try mm -hmm. to get in and get out before the week before Easter because, again, the prices will go up. Uh, a lot of locals are taking time off at the Easter holiday, and, and they like to you know, go to the, their places in their country and visit them and stay as well. So I find that the dry season is best. It's not too hot in early March. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it does get hot during the day. I mean, you are in the tropics. If you're not up in the mountains, mountainous mm -hmm. areas further North, like the cloud rainforest, it can get up to around 90 degrees, certainly the eighties. Okay. But on the, and on that area of the uh, peninsula, Osa Peninsula, you've got the breezes coming from the Pacific side all the time because you're basically facing the Pacific ocean, even though you're well up a hill and in the rainforest. So there are nice breezes to keep you cool. So that's when we chose to go. And if you're going to spend a couple of weeks in Costa Rica, whether you're driving around, you know, up 
around east and west, north and south, or if you go down to the Osa Peninsula and want to spend a week or five days like we did, I would say that's a pretty good time to go. And the yeah. rates just get off of the high season rate structure. Mm-hmm. So um, your rates will be a little less for your accommodations. And so while we're on the topic of rates, uh, how much should you really be budgeting for this trip? Uh, I mean, I know it can swing high or low, but on average, the cost that you paid for like that Cessna flight, uh, your accommodations and average costs of a meal uh, and that sort of thing. Well, of course, your direct flight from the United States will depend upon your origin. Sure. Where you're coming out of and what your direct flight price is and the time of year that you go. Um, and you can just look into what those prices are because some people choose to go in February and they're going to pay more than we paid when we went there. And we also use our points because we're frequent travelers. Mm-hmm. So the costs that we paid are going to be less than just, you know, paying a full up retail price. Sure. Uh, for your direct um, flight, but you, there are numerous direct flights from the United States in various places. Uh-huh. Take you right directly into San Jose. So that helped us quite a bit. We could jump on a plane in the morning here in Atlanta, which is where we're located, mm-hmm. and be into San Jose by 11 o'clock local time, latest. Lovely. 30, something like that. It's not that much time in the air, about three hours in the air. So that cost, I mean, I could, I could quote what we paid, if I can remember what we paid. I'll, I'll, it was probably around 550 or something akin okay. to that. But, you know, it can, if, you hit a, if you hit a deal, you can pay a lot less. Or you can pay a lot more if, if you're just, um, you know, not able to find a, a good deal. Okay. And then, um, then your flight from San Jose to get to the Osa Peninsula, about how much should you budget for that? Um, yes. So those, depending on the airline that you take, but they're not going to be very different, those domestic carriers, and there are several, uh-huh. there are three right now, that right now, today, there are three domestic carriers that will fly out of um, San Jose and take you directly into Puerto Jimenez in about 45 or 50 minutes. And that's $240 per person round trip. Okay. Not too bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. Just a little note there is watch your luggage uh, limits, watch your weight limits, Mm -hmm. pay attention to the um, details that they have on their websites because some of the smaller planes are going to limit how much luggage you bring or you'll just, you'll have to pay for the, um, for the overweight charge. Right, right. Now about how much were you paying per night? So the cost to stay at El Romanso can range depending on your season if you're high season or shoulder season as we were you could get a lovely garden view room for about $135 per night that's double occupancy Mm -hmm. or you could go all the way up to a deluxe villa with a plunge pool and that goes uh, at high season for about $410 per night and the way that um, pricing is that is no meals included we chose to go the a la carte route for meals we did request each day you sort of put in your menu request for breakfast lunch and dinner kind of a thing and you could eat as lightly as you wanted to which is what we usually do in that tropical heat we just don't want to eat a lot of you know food Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the meals there are a la carte and the different prices and so forth are on the el romanso site Mm -hmm. so you know it can range from you know 35 45 55 65 Maybe that high. Okay. 
uh, at night, but we don't, you know, for for a full on dinner, mm-hmm. we just don't eat a lot. Right. We eat very light, and we eat a lot of protein bars too, just to kind of have little meals during the day. Sure. But uh, there's a lot of information on the El Romanso site that tells you about the cost of the tours, their their different accommodations, and when I spoke to the owners at the time when we were there, it wasn't that long ago. Like I said, it's only been a couple of years, maximum. And anyway, I was chatting with the owner. What a nice fellow. He and his wife are just a really nice couple. And he uh-huh. said he dated 30 people. And this is really a, a small resort. It's an eco resort. Mm-hmm. It's to recycle everything. I love that. And, you know, they're very ecologically responsible there. And it's not easy for the logistics to keep that resort going and get stuff in. You can't yeah. fly. You can't bring a boat in. The only way in and out of that entire area is going down that awful road but the awful road is what keeps the crowds away that's yeah. why this place is just so undeveloped besides the fact that it's a national park around you but even these uh, private reserves they're just tough to get to so yeah. you really need to plan ahead of time if you have any food you know limitations in your diet or any special things to work around they'll work with you with that you get um, free juices, fresh squeezed juice all day long, water. There's ice water always up at the bar. Up at uh-huh. the restaurant. You can get ice for your little cooler if you just want to go down to the beach and chill for the afternoon. If you want to ask them to make you a couple of light sandwiches or something for your a picnic down on the beach, they're happy to do it. They're really very accommodating because they just don't deal with crowds there. Yeah. Now, as far as... Uh, getting around, did you need a rental car while you were there? Mm, absolutely not. In fact, I felt that that would be uh, more of a detriment because I knew that we were going to stay at the lodge and that uh-huh. we were going to avail ourselves of the guides and their knowledge base. And just, and I knew we were, it's like you're in the zoo and the animals are all around you. Right. You, know? you don't have to drive anywhere to see what we came to see and to be steeped in the environments we came to be steeped in because it was right there. Mm-hmm. All you had to do was do quite a bit of hiking up and down hills. We really had to be fit and get ready for this. But that's true of Costa Rica. It's very much a, an up and down country. Right. <laughs> you're right. Surfing. <laughs> as far as gear uh, needed for, for these excursions, this sort of thing, what did, what did you pack in your suitcase uh, to prepare you for this terrain? Um, I generally prepare to bring the same sort of things when I'm in the tropics anyway, because we do quite a bit of hiking and we knew that we were going to be rappelling down waterfalls, for instance, and walking in water up to, you know, our ankles, maybe Mm -hmm. our shins. So uh, I wore a pair of, uh, we brought our hiking boots. We also bring um, hiking sandals, really strong ones that give you a very strong toe, the support and protection heels but that can give you good grip on rocks so that if you're walking on a slippery river bed or if you're going down a waterfall so we had both sort of dry boots and wet boots so to speak uh, and those sandals are very handy to take out on the beach too you want to protect your feet because that beach sand is very coarse it's not like fine powdery sand it's really and it slips a lot under your feet squeak squeak yeah uh, and the usual, you know, your cool max, very uh, lightweight clothing. Don't carry a lot of clothes because you'll be in and out of your clothes a lot. You'll be getting wet. You'll be sweaty. We rinsed our stuff off and, and washed our things in the um, in the tub. <laughs> We're used to doing that. <laughs> and hung them out in the room, you know, with a couple of uh, clothespins that we carry with us. So our tropical adventuring gear includes uh, that lightweight clothing, your head 
protection, keep your head in the shade. And, uh, you know, we might wear ball caps or something like that if we're going out in the, uh, on the trails, mm -hmm. just so we have peripheral vision and it just protects the top of our head from anything falling on it or whatever, the sunshine out in the sun. We do carry Benadryl and insect and plant reaction sort of sprays after bite, that sort of thing, in case you brush up against a plant. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. We always have a little emergency kit, just in case you get a splinter in your hand or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you always take all your medications. Make sure to take extra sunglasses and spectacles if you drop your sunglasses when you're waterfall repelling, which you uh -huh. don't need them when you're repelling anyway, because you're in the dim light of the rainforest. But yeah. you really don't take them back in there at all. Sunscreen. Uh, a cooling neckerchief if you uh, it can get awfully hot when you're hiking especially and you're out of the breeze so you might want you know one of those cooling neckerchiefs that you just get in water and kind of wave around in the air yeah <clears throat> um, uh, we also take hiking back pads they're very easy to pack and they don't take up a lot of room but uh, when you're out in the boonies anywhere out on an island or in the rainforest in Costa Rica or even some of the more rural areas in Costa Rica and other places we visited, they just have basically a platform bed with a mattress on top. Mm -hmm. And those mattresses can be thin. <laughs> That's right. where your price per night can go up if you want a five-inch mattress or something. Right. You're going to pay a little more. So we always bring our back pads. And uh, we always travel with flashlights backup batteries for our, you know, like a mini mag, a very strong LED flashlight uh -huh. backup batteries for that. You, you just want to have that beside your bed at night anyway uh -huh. and carry it with you as you go up to the restaurant in the dim light of the afternoon so that you can light your way, even though the, the paths are beautifully lit with just nice little tiki lights, but you just want a little more light. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have backup phone and camera electronics, uh, no problem with electrical current down there no problem with plugs but you just want to have your backup systems you can charge in your room or have backup batteries as you need and uh, we always carry a dry bag or two especially if you're going to do something like waterfall repelling mm -hmm. a, a special camera if you have a small one that you want to take um, or your phone use your phone camera you will want to put that in a dry bag and make sure it's kind of protected from getting banged around and you'll right. you'll want figure out how to get that dry bag either slung over your shoulder or hung from your uh, safety belt that you're going to be wearing while you're repelling because you put on that safety gear as you leave the lodge and you will have it on your body until you get back to the lodge and they remove it from you. So you want their carabiners hanging off of that but you don't want to carry more than you need to carry when you do something like a rainforest hike yeah, or, or canyoneering or or going rappelling certainly you want to travel light but make sure you have a working dry bag a small one perfect and, uh, bring your own snacks you can't find any snacks there are no convenience stores no atms uh wi-fi is very limited except at the restaurants it's fairly common throughout the caribbean the pacific rim just islands you know you'll get some wi-fi but you usually don't get it unless you're really up at the restaurant or the okay area and uh, we also brought uh, binoculars so we mm -hmm. can see those birds and sloths way up there in the treetops. Or if you're a birder, you might want to bring your spotting scope. Yeah, those are just some of the, the things that we try to put on our list as we prepare to pack. Yeah. And did you need any special permits uh, to go there? No. Now, as far as your passport, um, I read that some countries need at least six months 
left on your passport before it renews. Was that the case for Costa Rica? Yeah, that's pretty SOP everywhere these days, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah unfortunately, if you're like us, so our passports are always going to expire in the middle of our trip somewhere. <laughs> I know, I know. We are going to have we to renew ours. Yeah, months of value on the cost of our passport, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. Now, could you bring children on this trip? Uh, sure. I think children, they're certainly welcome there. Uh, they, they don't have any special accommodations for them. It's not yeah. like an all-inclusive, you know, kids eat free kind of place. Right. I would say that it, it's very much an adult adventure, nature photographer, nature outdoors kind of place. It's very yeah. quiet. People are respectful. The whole idea is to be, you know, in this, in enjoying the rainforest sounds. I would say children need to be, and I think they might even have something on the website, but I can't remember at least the age of 12. Yeah. And, and frankly, you know, if they're not comfortable in hot, sticky, muggy, humid, buggy, possibly <laughs> sneaky <laughs> environments, uh, they may not have a good time because the place does not cater particularly to children or families. They really cater to the outdoors, nature-loving enthusiasts. Yeah. And as far as like mobility, I know you're out hiking and trekking. Um, There's some people who may have limited mobility, but they want to experience the rainforest and the nature. Could they get that rainforest experience by staying there? Um, Or is it necessary to go on the treks to see the monkeys and the sloths and the parrots? Um, The the trip in is arduous, just just getting physically from Puerto Jimenez mm-hmm. down to that section of the Osa Peninsula, the southwest tip, is, there, like I said, there's really only one, quote, road. Right. <laughs> and it is hard. It's hard travel. So you have to deal with that. And then I, I didn't notice any ramps or any other particular considerations for those who were differently abled at that particular lodge because uh, it is perched at the top of a volcanic ridge. Okay. And it's very steep all around. They have wonderfully sort of manicured, rocky, loose rock paths. Yeah. That radiate out from the central reception and restaurant area down to the different cabinas, but they're all quite steep. They're slippery when you walk on them with hiking boots on. Okay. So there are no smooth surfaces that would accommodate, you know, somebody with a cane or, or anything really. And it's, it's tough. You, you really need to be very fit there and accustomed to heat and humidity. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's physically demanding environment. So I'm going to do a little research and see if I can find any places in the Osa Peninsula with like an ADA friendly room. And if I do find that, I will include it in the show notes on experiences. You should have.com. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And uh, finally, what are some of those other things that someone should check out while on the Osa Peninsula? Uh, what are some of your the top hits that, that people should hit up? Well, if you were to Google it or take a look around what other things to do, there are uh, there's Kanyo, C-A-N-Y-O, Island which is world-renowned pretty much for a snorkeling and scuba diving destination. It's about an hour off the coast. Yeah. Uh, 
Pacific coast of the Osa Peninsula, you can you can Google. There are a couple of places you can catch a boat early in the morning uh-huh. and take about you know an hour ride in a boat out to Kanyo Island and join a group of folks that are snorkeling. And I, I believe they also have diving excursions that go out there. Great. And, uh, so that's you know we thought about that too, but we were just so tired from all the hiking we'd done. We went oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but this is considered to be the premier, one of the premier, probably the premier place to snorkel off of Costa Rica. Okay. Right there, that Cano Island. Um, and uh, as you go up further up the peninsula, there are some just awesome places to go mangrove kayaking or sea kayaking. Mm-hmm. And you could make arrangements from, you know, if you're staying at El Romanso or, you know, other places on the peninsula, you can make various arrangements to go kayaking either on the Gulf side of the peninsula or the ocean side. And that, that means you're kayaking up the rivers that are flowing down to the ocean. Yeah. And remember, this is absolutely wild. There's nothing out there but you and the guy and saltwater crocodiles. So, yeah. And maybe pumas. So, you know. You can't go. I don't go without a guide. Okay. But uh, there's also whale and dolphin watching, whale watching at uh, the correct times of year, which would not necessarily be in early March when we were there in the Gulf. And that could be arranged out of Puerto Jimenez and a couple of other uh, towns over yeah. on the Gulf side. So you can get out in the boat and go whale watching, dolphin watching, uh, mostly out of Drake Bay, which is up in the northern area, sort of, of the peninsula. Okay. Uh, surfers like to go to Playa Matalpo, and that's M-A-T-A, I mispronounced it, Playa Matapalo. Matapalo. That's Playa Beach, uh, and that's spelled M-A-T-A-P-A-L-O. Okay. That's sort of the town area, the, the community that El Romanso and a couple of other uh, lodges in the southwest portion of the peninsula. That whole area is re- referred to as the um, Matapalo. And from there, you can go deep sea fishing. Uh-huh. You can go surfing there too. And uh, you could also have a day at the beach, just a different beach, sort of a, a easy, no, no hard surf, you know, no big tide coming in kind of an experience along the beach there. And ultimately, the ultimate activity that is mentioned very much in lots of articles, I guess, the uh-huh. travel articles that I've read is uh, hiking Corcovado National Park. You can make arrangements. You can actually fly into the park. Uh, you can stay there and kind of bunk-like arrangements. You go out with the guides and the park rangers and experience the park from within the park. But remember, where we were staying, we had the same forest with the same animals all around us. Mm-hmm. And we had guides available to us every day. So we really, that's another reason we didn't need a car. We didn't have to drive anywhere or go anywhere to experience what we had come to enjoy. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Now, one last question is, will the Osa Peninsula be empowered by tourism or overrun by it? Yeah, you know, that's a really, that's a good question. And it's one that uh, was brought up in my conversations with the owner. He talked about himself and other owners of other lodges who had, were the very first to build lodges in this area and the only ones really in this area of the Osa Peninsula and, and getting together with other people and communities on the peninsula to battle uh, big business interests because over the years and, and one can find articles about these things over the years this this area is pristine untouched uh-huh. this is nature unscripted here and it's it's really paradisical but of course 
people want to come in and do things like build an international airport. What? An wow. international airport? Uh, a massive marina at one point for, and this is like several years, these things are planned and thought and then delayed and then they come up again and you gotta, you know, it's like whack-a-mole, right? <laughs> this massive marina was planned and, uh, and another huge resort, I mean, sprawling, just sprawling. So even though Corcovado National Park is sort of the, uh, takes up a big chunk of that footprint of the peninsula, it's not by any stretch of the imagination, the entire peninsula. Mm-hmm. And there's quite a bit of development that's already been created on that peninsula. And um, not everybody is participating equally, the people who live there, and the development that has occurred to date on the peninsula. So it's the usual, it's difficult, it's, it's a dichotomy. It's a pull between the needs of the locals for jobs and, and income and you know, taking advantage of the tourist industry and how they too can benefit. And, and frankly, the greed of big business and others who just want to come in and just take it and turn it into another Cancun. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's something to be aware about and to, I know, help get behind environmental efforts there. Absolutely. And I think by staying at an ecologically, it's not an ecologically minded, this is the word of ecology. (laughs) This is the epitome of an eco resort when you stay at at a place like El Romanso, and by no means are they the only uh, lodge there that really has the heart and the soul and the vision to have come when they came and to continue to fight off interests that are not in perhaps the better interest of the natural surroundings of this beautiful paradise. Wow. Well, truly, Lynn, thank you for coming on the show today and really shining a light on this beautiful paradise in Costa Rica. I, you already have my wheels spinning of how we can make an adventure happen there. And I will be including more information on experiencesyoushouldhave.com as well as photos from your trip there. Um, is, is there anything else you'd like to add for our listeners today? I would say if you're going to go like other places in the world, they're being discovered oh too quickly. Yes. Go soon. Go soon. Okay. Go soon. Okay, listeners out there, you've got to start planning the adventure of a lifetime. And Lynn, again, truly thank you. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. It is totally my pleasure, Gail. Thank you so much. And once again, I just stay tuned to your podcast. Every time they go up, I'm looking and I'm, I'm following. So I'm right there and trying to spread the word to other people as well. So thank you. It's been my pleasure all the way. Thank you, Lynn, truly. Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. And if you haven't gotten the gist of the show, it is exploring unique off-the-bean-path experiences around the world and giving you the how-to guide to make it happen. We walk through costs, skills needed, best time to go, where to stay, what to do for you to have an amazing experience and to just fall back in love with this beautiful planet that we live in and give you a roadmap on how to get there. And so you know how much you need to save 
uh, how much time can be left on your passport, etc. If you love this show and you're an Apple user, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Highly, highly appreciated. Also, we are trying to grow this podcast. And if you could tell your friend or at least one new person this week about this podcast, you would be doing me a fabulous favor. And if you have a unique experience around the world that you would like to share that can be replicated, then I want to hear from you. Uh, go to experiencesyoushouldhave.com, click on contact, send me a note. Also, while you're there, go check out the show notes under episodes. We have beautifully written up articles for each episode containing links, more information, photos, everything that you would want to know and more. And if I don't provide the answer, there are links to other places with the answer to really give you that complete view of the experience. And it is my goal to get you outside or inside, but on an adventure and to experience this beautiful freaking world that we live in because we're we're not meant to just sit behind a desk every day. Yes, I understand it pays the bills and there's definitely some interesting things to be had at a desk. However, it's good for you to take a break and jaunt off on a really cool adventure. You don't have to quit your job or go travel for years to go have an adventure. While that does also sound amazing, you can take a week off or two and have an adventure of a lifetime. And if you start to scatter them out throughout the year or every year or every other year, you're always going to have something fun to look forward to, an adventure that you will share with your family, your friends, your kids, your grandkids, or your dog, your fish. Or I mean, you don't have to tell anybody about the adventure, but it would be really cool and it would be an amazing story that's part of you. And I just urge you to... To get out there and try something new and to go see a new animal or go trek in an unknown area of the world after you've done your research by listening to experiences you should have and also checking out the website. But I'm here to help provide that information and that's the biggest mission behind this podcast. So please, please share the podcast. If you're on Instagram, find us by Experiences Podcast and uh, check out the show notes on experiencesyoushouldhave.com. I want to hear from you if you were inspired to go do one of these experiences or if you want to add some color to um, a new experience I should know about, uh, please hit me up. And until next time on our next adventure.